quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of controlled parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connected parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I'm so lucky to have Iris Chen here, who is the author of Untigering, and she is here to join us and tell us all about her journey into peaceful parenting. So welcome to the show, Iris. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I grew up as a child of immigrants. My parents were from China and Vietnam. And I grew up in pretty typical authoritarian family, traditional, you know, a lot of expectations, a very strict hierarchy. I lived with my grandparents as well when I was a child. And so my grandparents were at the top mm-hmm. and then my parents and then my mom and then us kids down at the bottom. And so really having a lot of expectations placed on me as a child, a lot of rules, Things were pretty strict in my family, but that was sort of normal for me and the community that I grew up in as an Asian American. I know that when I observed my other friends who were not Asian, it seemed really extreme and very strict, but it was pretty normal for me. Yeah. And And I think a lot of, yeah, I grew up, you know, not completely that way, but really strict parents too. And Mm -hmm. I grew up with my grandparents down the street and they were all on top and we were to be seen and not heard. And that was the way it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of it is just that generation of parenting, probably in, in yeah. many ways too. And I didn't really question it. I mean, I knew when I had my own kids that I would loosen up and not be quite as strict as my family, but there was definitely a lot of it that I just continued and passed down 
in my own parenting, just because that was all I ever knew. And I didn't really question a lot of it. So it wasn't really until things were just coming to a head with my relationship with my oldest son. (laughs) And I was trying to be really controlling with him and had a lot of very high expectations with him. And he was just resisting my control and resisting all the strategies that I had to try to get him to behave. But all I could see was the behavior mm-hmm. and trying to get him to behave the way I wanted him to behave. Yeah. Because I think for me, even though I sort of resented the way that I was raised, I still learned how to behave well. I still right. did what was expected of me. I think that's what's so confusing because people will say, well, you were so well behaved or you're, you know, your parents did such a good job. Look, you're a successful person. They must have done something, right? Yeah. And so on the surface, when we just focus on the behavior, Mm -hmm. it does seem that that type of parenting can work. But what I experienced was that it really caused disconnection between me and my parents and a lack of trust and warmth and all that. And I saw that with my own kids as well, even though in certain situations they could perform well or behave well. And on the surface, everybody could look in at our lives and say, oh, they're doing well. They've got this parenting thing down. But I knew within my own home, with just all the strife and all the conflict that I had with my kids because I was trying to control them. Yeah. I feel the same. I had a strong-willed older daughter who was, she was just not going to have it. And now I'm like, thank goodness, because it helped me change. And had I had a compliant first child, I probably would have never thought I would have just shoved them down and that would have been that, and they would have behaved and they would have had their own problems, but there are some kids who will not have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really am so grateful that just all the tension and the conflict that I had with my son really caused me to reevaluate because Mm -hmm. like you said, if I did have a super compliant child, I wouldn't have questioned it. It would have been like, oh, well, this is working fine, you know? And my second child is more compliant and easygoing like that. So having him as my first child and even just describing him as strong-willed, I think what I realized later on as I learned to see through new lenses was that he was just really sensitive. Yeah. Because he was sensitive, he was easily overwhelmed and reacted really strongly to the situation or to different emotions that were going on. And I just interpreted that as being very difficult, yeah, <laughs> and being disobedient or whatever. Yeah. I like Dr. Laura Markham. She says that children who are sensitive often are strong-willed only because it's the reaction to their sensitivity in that they believe that those manipulations or your harsh look or your harsh words are an actual assault on their person. And so what we think is overreact, but they're just so sensitive that they want to come at you because they can't stand what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think once I understood that more about my child, Mm -hmm. I had so much more compassion Mm -hmm. and understanding and patience and realizing like the way I was responding to him was actually really triggering him and causing him to react in a certain way. And when I could approach him with much more gentleness and empathy and all those things that he changed dramatically. Yeah. I know. I know for my own self, that change was so hard for me, that change from being harsh and 
using manipulation and control into using empathy and understanding. What was it like for you? It was definitely a process. I think there was this one time when I went to a parenting workshop and then the speaker was talking about just neurobiology and what happens to our kids' brains and their bodies when we punish them or yell at them. And I think that was just an aha moment for me where I just realized what I was doing to my child. And before that, I had thought that I was in the right and it was my kid that had the problem. I was just trying to make, yeah, make my kid do what he should do. But I think that was my first aha moment, recognizing that I was the one who was causing a lot of these problems. So I went home that evening and I just told my partner that I was going to stop spanking because I had been spanking and punishing and lecturing and all those things up until that point. And that really caused me to just pause and stop myself from my tracks, realizing I'm going a totally wrong, Mm -hmm. I'm going down the wrong path. And I was seeing the bad fruit of that in my relationship with my kid. And it wasn't like he was behaving any better. Things were getting worse and our relationship was getting worse. So I was at a point of desperation in some ways. Yeah. I like how you had that realization and then came home and told, it's like when you tell somebody, right? It's almost like now you're accountable to do something about it. I told the kids, I was a huge yeller and I was out of control, just screaming and yelling. And I told the kids, they had the right to tell me that I couldn't yell anymore. And Mm -hmm. that was my turning point where I was like, okay, here we go. I have to change. And I think maybe for you, for me, it wasn't so much the application part of it, but it was just, I had to get straight in my head because I was so confused. I think so many people are like that. You just get confused with the society's telling you and your family's telling you and it's so hard. Yeah. So very hard. I love what you said about that too, because it really is important for our kids to sometimes hold us accountable or just mm-hmm. to be aware that we just to communicate to them our willingness to change mm-hmm. so that it's not like mommy knows best and I'm going to have this figured out and then I'll let you know. But yeah. it's like, we're going to fail. It's going to be a messy process. So yeah. as we're still in process, how can we just communicate to our children? This is my intention. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm learning about myself. This mm-hmm. is how I want to honor you. And we're going to work together and I'm going to take responsibility for my behavior and you can call me out on it. So yeah. I think that's really beautiful that you did that. Yeah, it is, but it's not easy. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us struggle with that. I love the title of your book on tigering and it's so great. And just tell me, did you just come up with it? Is there some sort of story behind it? So yeah, it was a term that just came to mind because of the whole tiger parenting phenomenon. That's a word that came from Amy Chua's book, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. I think that came out in 2011. And then there was this whole uproar about Chinese parenting or tiger parenting. And when I first read the book, I actually really related to it and I could see myself reflected in her story. But I think it wasn't until I began recognizing the deep harm in this type of parenting mm-hmm. And also I was at a point where I was also considering unschooling. Mm -hmm. So a big part of tiger parenting is also like the academic expectations that we place on our kids to get really good grades, go to Ivy League schools, all those things. 
that's particularly prevalent in the Asian American culture. And I was choosing at that point to take my kids out of traditional schooling and follow their lead and allow them to have the freedom to self-direct their learning. Amazing. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. Tell me, how are you liking it? I think it's just been a huge paradigm shift for me because most of us have grown up in, in traditional schooling environments and that's all we know. That's what we believe that childhood should be where you go to school and your life revolves around school. And we've been doing this for three, four years now. And it's been amazing just learning how to really shift our thinking in that and learn how to be with children, learn how to live life with children instead of within this construct of school. And I think a lot of things that are related to peaceful parenting, whether it be bodily autonomy or consent or just looking at self-motivation or the needs underneath their behavior. Like so much of that is violated in the traditional school environment. Yeah, I so agree. I'm jealous that I didn't even know about unschooling. I was just barely getting by. I'm still barely getting by, but I I wish I would have taken that route because it feels right to me. Now I'm deeply in the other way, but it feels like I'm fighting against the school half of the time because Mm. what everything I'm doing is opposite of what they're doing. And my kids are older now. They've figured how to compartmentalize, but I wish they didn't have to, you know, because it's a very traditional system that just, it feels like I would send them to school, filled up and they would come back disconnected. And I would spend all late afternoon trying to get them filled up just to send them back to get disconnected. And it's a struggle. That's really hard. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I'm jealous that you did that for your family. You're very smart. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so grateful that we found that path. I mean, it's challenging in its own ways because it's so countercultural. And you feel like there isn't that safety net that we think there is with traditional schooling. But just realizing there really are no guarantees, like even with traditional schooling, it doesn't guarantee a certain result. And it certainly doesn't guarantee happiness, right? which is ultimately what we want or, you know, self-resiliency and reliance and morality and all those things. It doesn't guarantee any of that. And I think that's what we're really looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And just like what you were sharing in terms of oftentimes the school expects parents to reinforce their values or their agenda. And so we then become those enforcers of things that we don't even really care about. I know. I have a lot of clients that'll say, well, the teacher keeps calling me and telling me that the child's doing X, Y, and Z at school. And I said, just listen to them. Just say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry they're doing that for you. (laughs) You know, like 
okay, and now what? You expect me to enforce your rules in your classroom? Like, no, thank you. Yeah, it's hard. And then you're, yeah, it puts a major wedge between, I think homework and school behavior put a major wedge between children and parents and really bite against the connection a lot. It's hard. And I tell my clients, don't don't worry about homework and don't worry about school behavior. Just let it all go. (laughs) Yeah, because so much of it is really a desire to control and standardize children. Like if they're not quiet, if they're not sitting properly. And a lot of that is labeled as bad, but it's not bad. They're just being kids, you know, and every child has different needs in terms of how they need to move their body or different ways that they learn. Right. And so it's really unfair that we slap these labels on kids who don't conform or want to conform. Yeah. Or that they don't do their homework. Okay. Don't do your homework. What's going to happen? You know, you're going to be struck down. I don't think so. It's okay. What does homework do for you anyway? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) But don't tell the teachers that. Yeah, no, no, do tell the teachers. (laughs) (laughs) True. Do tell the teachers. Just change the whole system. Just exactly. Just say, oh, I'm so sorry. We don't do homework. Yeah. I mean, people ask me like, oh, how can you take these unschooling principles and apply it into a traditional school system? And I think it's really hard because you're pushing back against that Mm -hmm. whole system. But as a parent, you can always say, we don't do homework or or, we don't, we don't care about those grades. To be honest, I don't look at my kids' grades. Like this last semester, I didn't even look at the final grades. I didn't look at the grades the semester before I said, girls, how'd you do? They said, fine. I said, great, let's move on. Like (laughs) that's it. And it's so much less pressure. Yes. And because there's so much pressure for parents to be like, did you do your homework? You know, you have a project, you have to study for the test. And it's Uh like, really? Just let it go. They'll figure it out if they want to do it. They'll figure it out. And then to have people's identities or sense of self-worth tied Mm -hmm. to this letter, this number, that's oftentimes so arbitrary. Not worth it. What else about your journey? Do you mind telling us how old were your kids when you started this transformation? Because I know that's encouraging for people to know that they don't have to start when they're zero. Yeah. So my oldest was probably around eight when Mm -hmm. I decided to stop spanking, but it's been quite a process since then. Mm -hmm. And they are now 11 and 13. So definitely during their early formative years, I was very much a tiger parent. And I think the encouraging thing is that it's never too late. And I have seen the transformation in my life and in my kids and in our relationship with one another, just when I'm willing to make those steps of change, they are generally very responsive. I think so too. I started when my oldest was six and I thought I'd ruined her already. And it was really nice to know that just that little change, even just getting rid of punishments, threats, bribes, consequences, just getting rid of control was enough to move almost everything and that it moved quickly. They desire that connection, I think. And as soon as you give it to them, they want more. Yes. I say you can start at any age. Yeah, absolutely. I have friends who their kids are teenage years and they're also wondering if it's too late. And I just tell them, even as a grown adult, if our parents approach us now and apologize, take responsibility for the things that they did when they were growing up, try to repair. I mean, 
how powerful would that be? How transformative would that be for us as adults? And so it's definitely never too late. Even if you have adult children that are grown and out out of the house, if you are able to shift your thinking and mm-hmm. wanting to repair that there's always time to do that. Yeah. My dad's a recovering alcoholic, 15 years sober, and he has changed the way now he does the peaceful parenting with my kids. And even that in itself is so healing to see him get rid of the harshness and to come with love and kindness. And it's been healing for our relationship so much so that it wasn't too late for us. And it was so great. I have clients who have like 17 year old kids who we've worked on connection and it works. It really Mm. does work. And so I'd say whoever's out there, it doesn't matter. Even like you said, if you have adult kids, it works too. It Mm. totally does. What other things were your big challenges in making this transformation from tigering to untigering? I think a big shift for me was also my attitude, my perceptions of misbehavior. And I write about this in my book too, but I think I just viewed any undesirable behavior in my children as them being willfully disobedient, as being naughty, misbehaving. So I just projected the worst intentions Mm -hmm. upon them instead of understanding that all behavior are attempts to get needs met and to have a very neutral, empathetic view of whatever was going on on the surface. And I think once I was able to pause and resist trying to judge or label their behavior, but instead observe and try to understand what was underneath that was driving that behavior. Mm -hmm. Then like you said, the punishment no longer makes sense where any need to punish or to give them a consequence or to yell at them or all those things, because that doesn't actually help. That doesn't actually deal with the root or the source of their behavior. But then once we are able to meet their need, support them in finding more appropriate ways to get those needs met, then usually those behaviors resolve themselves and we don't have to focus so much on trying to fix the behavior, but really get down to the heart of the issue. Yeah, I think that's so right on. And the other part of it that I always felt too, in addition to all that was, it was a personal attack. They're out to get me. They are mean and they're trying to push my buttons and they're trying to get at me and they have ulterior motives and they're manipulative and they're this and that. And I honestly really believed that. I believed my oldest daughter was just, I mean, I hate to say it. I really believed she was like evil. I thought she was really trying to come at me. And that's a hard place to parent from. It's a really hard place to parent from when you think the person that you're parenting is out to get you. It's like almost like a conspiracy theory, like... I know they're going to out to get me when it's not, it's so not even about us, but we somehow, I think because our parents personalized everything so much, Mm. mine did for sure that I always felt that it was my fault that they were having a reaction. Mm -hmm. And so I took that into my parenting, which was so hard to unravel Mm -hmm. taking it personally. Yeah. I feel like with tiger parenting, there's also this expectation of just getting everything right we have this perfectionistic attitude towards our parenting. And when things aren't happening the way we expect Mm -hmm. them to, then we blame. It's easy to blame our kids for making us feel bad or making us feel like we aren't living up to those expectations. We can't be that ideal parent that we desire to be. So yeah, 
it can feel very personal. It's their fault, right? It's all their fault. They ruined my perfect family picture. They ruined everything I'm trying to hold on so tightly to control. And they are the reason why I can't feel perfect anymore. Yeah. Even though perfection is totally attainable, but you know, the perfectionist will never agree to that. They will always think it's attainable to just, you know, get out of that shame, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. That's so good. All right. Iris, anything else that you want to share with us or anything you want to share with anyone who's listening, who might want to try to untiger themselves and find a more peaceful way to be with their kids? I know that for me, a big part of the process was just learning to reparent myself, to untiger myself in terms of like what I just mentioned, having these impossible perfectionistic expectations upon myself that actually caused me to be really harsh on my children so that it was hard for me to accept my mistakes or to take responsibility or to be okay with my emotions or to communicate my needs. I never learned how to do any of that. So a lot of it is about reparenting myself and learning to accept myself fully in my humanity so that I can do that for my kids. For me, once I was able to do that for myself more consistently, mm-hmm. it became much more natural, like an overflow to offer that to my kids. Yeah, I think so too. Well, we learn forgiveness by forgiving ourselves and we can't forgive our kids unless we know what forgiveness really is. That's so big. I think the reparenting part so big. Your book, I haven't read it all, but I've started reading it and I really like it. And I love the intro and I love how you just come with your authentic story. And I think so many people will glean from that. And anyone out there who's trying to make a change, I think this book would be great and would be a good place to start and a good place to really start examining how you look at children, behavior, and parenting. And it's called Untigering. Iris Chen is the author. And where can we find you? You can find me on my blog, untigering.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Untigering. And the book you can find on Amazon or other online book retailers like Barnes and Noble and other places. And soon it's coming out in audiobook too. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I'm still in the midst of recording, but hopefully sometime soon. Oh, good. You're doing your, using your voice. Yes, I am. Lovely. So nice. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all of you people who are out there listening to the Peace and Parenting podcast. And we will see you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.